0: number four of london ancient and modern this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two london from the medical point of view part one chaucer's doctor earliest london practitioners the severance of medicine and surgery the earliest medical act it is impossible to appreciate the causes of the insanitary condition of old london without a knowledge of the state of medical education at the time this chapter will show clearly that scientific medicine is of comparatively modern growth and it will not need any professional training to distinguish between the superstitious dogmas of the past and those scientific principles which have resulted from the systematic study of medicine by strictly scientific methods if the scientific study of medicine should from any cause be checked there can be no doubt that we should soon again make acquaintance with those pestilences which wrought such fearful havoc in the middle ages chaucer's doctor in giving an account of the profession of medicine as seen in london both in ancient and modern times one cannot do better than begin with that doctor of physic described by chaucer as setting out from the tabard in southwark with the other pilgrims bound for the shrine of st thomas of canterbury about the year thirteen eighty chaucer's lines have been often quoted but i make no apology for giving them once more because the description of the doctor bears the stamp of truth and is sufficiently minute to bring the individual before us there was also a doctor of physic in all this world nay was there none him like to speak of physic and of surgery it may be that the poet means to convey the idea that doctors of the fourteenth century like some of those of the nineteenth were prone to talk shop for he was grounded in astronomy astrology at this time was an essential part of medicine and the simplest remedies were not applied without consulting the stars so that to be grounded in astronomy was most essential he kept his patient wonderfully well hours by his magic natural well could he fortune the ascendant of his images for his patient here we have reference to mystical modes of treatment which were then much in vogue amulets and charms were constantly prescribed the doctrine of signatures i e the giving of those plants having some slight resemblance to parts of the human body or to some prominent symptom of disease for the relief of the organs or diseases which they resembled was in everyday use and the treating of images in order to affect the original of the image was a constant practice among witches and was probably used by the profession he knew the cause of every malady were it of cold or heat or moist or dry and where they engendered and of what humour here we have allusion to the hippocratic humoral pathology as developed by galen he was a very parfait practiser. the cause he know and of his arm the root anon he yef the sick man is boot remedy quick diagnosis and prompt treatment full ready had he his apothecaries to send him drags and his lectuaries for each of them made other four to win here friendship was not new to begin it would seem that even in Chaucer's time the advertising druggist was as pushing as at present. Well knew he the old Asclepius and Descorides, and eke Rufus, old Ipocras, Ailey and Galien, Serapion, Resus and Avicen, Averroes, Damascene and Constantine, Bernard and Gaddesden and Gilbertin our friend's library was tolerably complete for here we have a list of the medical scriptures greek roman and arabian an acquaintance with which was the whole duty of a physician and which to doubt was heresy the last two names on the list refer to john of gaddesdon and gilbert both english writers of whom i shall have a few words to say presently of his diet miserable was he for it was of no superfluity, but of great nourishing and digestible doubtless there were many things then which took the place of pancreatic emulsion and extract of malt his study was but little on the bible this line is frequently quoted to show that the scepticism with which doctors are often charged is of no modern growth the point of the line is however to be found in the fact that chaucer's doctor was certainly a priest as were all the physicians of his time and that the practice of medicine had drawn him away somewhat unduly perhaps from the clerical profession to which he also belonged in sanguine and in Paris he clad was all lined with taffeta and with sendal a robe of scarlet and sky-blue lined with silk equally gorgeous doctors may be seen in the present time by those who attend at burlington gardens on the presentation day and yet he was but easy in dispense he kept that he won in pestilence for gold and physic is a cordial therefore he loved gold in special the priest-physician was fully as fond of his fees as are any of his successors but to come to particular instances which prove the truth of chaucer's graphic picture earliest london practitioners the gilberton of chaucer's doctor was gilbertus anglicus an englishman who wrote a work on medicine about the year twelve ninety and it is remarkable from the fact that it gave the first description of leprosy written by western writers leprosy being a disease which has long ceased to exist in this country he treated apoplexy with ants eggs scorpions oil and the flesh of lions but where he obtained this latter commodity, it is hard to tell. For urinary calculi, he advised the administration of the blood of a he goat, fed upon parsley and saxifrage. John of Gaddesdon was a graduate of Merton College, Oxford, and wrote his famous medical treatise, Rosa Anglica, about 1305 he is said to have been greedy of money and he recommends his contemporaries to make arrangements about fees before undertaking a case he was an ecclesiastic and was court physician to edward the second and edward the third he tells us that bleeding is hurtful at the time of the feast of st john and st stephen but necessary at christmas because of the custom of overloading the stomach with cakes at that season Pig's dung was his favourite hemostatic, and when the son of the king had smallpox, he was careful that everything about his couch should be red. In South's Craft of Surgery is a most interesting and full account of John of ardern one of the earliest English writers on surgery this worthy was a specialist for the cure of fistula and dwelt at newark between thirteen forty nine and thirteen seventy when he moved to london his work praxis medica is among the sloane manuscripts in the british museum he made his great reputation by curing sir adam everingham of fistula after he had been pronounced incurable by the chief doctors in france he relates the cases some of them with details of other patients the most interesting of the writings of john of ardern is that entitled of the manner of the lesh because it throws a flood of light on professional manners and ethics in the fourteenth century the following paragraphs taken from south are well worth quoting but in doing so i think it advisable to in some degree modernize the spelling and the expressions first it behoveth him that will profit in this craft that he set god ever before him in all his works and evermore call meekly with heart and mouth his help and occasionally according to his power give of his earnings to the poor that they by their prayers may get him grace of the holy ghost let him not be found rash or boastful in his words or deeds and let him abstain from much speaking especially among the great and let him answer questions warily lest he be overtaken by his words also be a lesh not much laughing nor much playing and let him as much as may be fly the fellowship of knaves and disreputable persons and be he evermore occupied in things beholding to his craft whether he read or study write or pray for the exercise of books worshipeth a lesh and above all this it profiteth to him that he be found evermore sober for drunkenness destroyeth all virtue and bringeth it to naught, as saith a wise man be content in strange places with the meat and drink there found using measure in all things scorn he no man and if there be made speech to him of any lesh, neither set him at naught nor praise him too much nor commend him but thus may he courteously answer i have not any knowledge of him but i have neither learned nor heard of him but good and honest consider he not over openly the lady or the daughters or other fair women in great men's houses ne proffer them not to kiss that he cometh not into the indignation of the Lord, nay of noon of his when such men come to the lesh to ask help or counsel it speedeth that he make seeming excuses that he may not incline to their asking without harming or without indignation of some great man or friend or for necessary occupation or feign he him hurt or for to be sick or some other convenient cause by which he may likely be excused therefore if he will favour to any man's asking, make he covenant for his travail, and take it beforehand, and if he see the patient, pursue busily the cure then, and ask he boldly more or less, but ever be heware of scarce askings, for over-scarce askings setteth at naught both the market and the thing.' therefore for the cure of fistula in ano, when it is curable ask he competently of a worthy man and a great an hundred marks or forty pounds with robes and fees of an hundred shillings term of life by year and take he not less than an hundred shillings for never in all my life took i less than a hundred shillings for cure of that sickness End quote john of ordean advises that prognosis should be very guarded and that as to the time of recovery it is good to say double what you think and if the patient asks why he put him so long a time of curing sith that he healed him by the half answer he that it was for that the patient was strong-hearted and suffered well sharp things and that he was of good complexion and had able flesh to heal and fain he other causes pleasurable to the patient for patients of such words are proud and delighted the leech is further advised to dress like a clerk i e a priest for why it seemeth any discreet man clad with clerk's clothing to occupy gentlemen's boards have the lech also clean hands and well-sharpened nails cleansed from all blackness and filth there are many other directions for conduct given in this remarkable document and sundry extracts from scripture are given as suitable for quotation by the bedside and it speedeth that a leech shall talk of good tales and of honest that may make the patient to laugh as well as of the bible as of other tragedies finally he is charged to most scrupulously observe all professional confidences it is evident that john of ardern was a consummate man of the world and knew all the tricks of his trade his fees seem to have been enormous and indeed he is only one out of many examples among our early professional forerunners who made very large professional incomes Whether Gilbert, Gaddiston, and John of Ardern were associated with any guild which took upon itself the duty of protecting the interests of physicians and surgeons is not known. Certainly they belong to no association of which we have any trace remaining. I shall now endeavour to show how the Medical Corporation of London had their origin, and it is necessary to make a few preliminary remarks.' the severance of medicine and surgery the physicians and surgeons were originally very different orders of men medicine is in most christian countries an offshoot of the clerical profession so profitable was the practice of medicine that not only monks but many of the higher clergy devoted themselves to it the union of the two professions of medicine and divinity existed up to the middle of the seventeenth century and evidence of it is still found in the lambeth M.D., a degree which the archbishop of canterbury still has the right to confer but only upon a legally qualified practitioner it was thought necessary by pope innocent the ninety eight to twelve sixteen to forbid the clergy to undertake any operation involving the shedding of blood and by decrees of other popes in the thirteenth and fourteenth centuries they were forbidden to practise surgery in any form in this way medicine and surgery became divorced and this forcible and arbitrary separation of two branches of the same subject served undoubtedly to hinder the progress of medical knowledge to an enormous extent medicine was thus left mainly in the hands of scholars of men who at that time stood alone in the possession of scholastic learning while surgery was handed over to men who had little or no scholarship but who amassed a considerable amount of practical wisdom in the daily struggle with the difficulties of their craft the early physicians like chaucers a doctor of physic often had an extensive knowledge of the writings of the greek latin and arabian writers who may be considered as the medical fathers these were their scriptures which to doubt was heresy they knew nothing beyond them and it is not surprising that priestly medicine divorced as it was from those practical matters in overcoming which we alone get wisdom was absolutely unprogressive and unproductive if the early clerical physician did little for medicine as a science they did a great deal for it as a profession they were men of learning and high culture they had had a university training and we shall see that many of them were well born and had been brought up amongst high-minded gentlemen and undoubtedly it is due to the college of physicians and largely to some of its earlier members that the profession of medicine has been practised in this country in a manner which is mainly creditable glaring exceptions of course have occurred but as a rule the men who have neglected to conduct themselves as gentlemen have met with no encouragement from the college of physicians and i believe it would be difficult to overestimate the influence for good which the college has had in this direction the early surgeons were many of them illiterate and rough some of them perhaps most of them were in this country and in france evolved from the barbers and this is not surprising for the man who can shave with dexterity has acquired no small skill in handling sharp instruments and must be often called upon to treat wounds of his own making it is not surprising that these men should have been called in to attend to cases of injury and we know that they very early added tooth-drawing and bleeding to their tonsorial art and practised all three till a comparatively recent date war with its wounds must have made surgery a necessity in every country from the time of the siege of troy downwards and mr south gives an interesting account of thomas murstead who was chief surgeon to henry v s army at agincourt again many doubtless acquired their first knowledge by practising on animals and it must be remembered that there are now throughout this country scores of illiterate men who operate with consummate skill on the lower animals it appears that as early as thirteen o eight the barbers of london were incorporated into a guild and there appears to have been a gradual separation of them into those which practised surgery and those which practised and in fourteen sixty the guild of the barber-surgeons was one of the livery companies of the city outside this body there was an association of surgeons and also an association of physicians and according to mr south there appears to have been in fourteen twenty three and twenty four a veritable conjoint board of physicians and surgeons which however survived its birth only a few months at the time of the accession of henry the eighth it appears that public opinion was getting ripe for legislation the earliest medical act in the third year of the reign of that monarch fifteen eleven twelve an act for the appointing of physicians and surgeons was passed the preamble of which was as follows forasmuch as the science and cunning of physic and surgery to the perfect knowledge whereof be requisite both great knowledge and ripe experience is daily within this realm exercised by a great multitude of ignorant persons of whom the greater part have no manner of insight into the same nor in any other kind of learning some also can no letters on the book so far forth that common artificers as smiths weavers and women boldly and accustomedly take upon them great cures and things of great difficulty in the which they partly use sorcery and witchcraft partly apply such medicines unto the disease as be very noxious and nothing meet therefor to the high displeasure of god great infamy to the faculty and the grievous hurt damage and destruction of many of the king's liege people most especially of them that cannot discern the uncunning from the cunning now therefore be it enacted and so forth and the act goes on to provide that all who practise medicine and surgery except graduates of the university shall be previously examined approved and admitted by the bishop of london or the dean of st paul's or for the country by the bishop of the diocese who shall call to his aid for this purpose four doctors of physic and for surgery other expert persons in that faculty the penalty for evading the act was five pounds for each month of illegal practice two years later an act was passed giving to the members of the guild of barber-surgeons not exceeding twelve exemption from bearing arms or serving on inquests end of number four